robocalls, phone scams, mail scams, phony coupons. When it comes to scammers, KGW investigative reporter Kyle Aboshi has seen it all. Michael, I'm Kyle Aboshi with KGW News. Kyle Aboshi with KGW Channel 8. Hi, how can I help you? We have some questions. As owner of the company, how do you respond to consumers who say you're charging excessive rates? He joins us today to talk about what to look out for and how to protect yourself. From KGW News, this is Straight Talk with Laurel Porter. Hello and welcome to Straight Talk. I'm Laurel Porter. Scammers, they're always out there. It seems they constantly come up with new ways to try to trick you out of your money and personal information. And as we enter the holiday season when many people are gift buying and adding to their credit card statements, scammers are ready to step up their game. KGW's Kylie Boshi, senior reporter on our KGW investigative team, has heard from a lot of consumers over the years. People who've been ripped off or nearly fell for a clever scheme. He's dug into scams and tracked down some of the culprits behind them in his Call Kyle investigations. Kyle joins us on Straight Talk to tell us some of the things to watch out for so you don't become a victim. He shares how he investigates some of these cases, what it takes to crack them open, and sometimes his investigations have even helped lead to changes in law or prosecution of those responsible for the scams. Welcome to my guest, KGW investigative reporter, Kylie Boshi. Welcome to Straight Talk, Thanks Kyle. Thanks for having me. What should we be watching out for right now as we get ready for the holidays? Right. We see scams all year round, but around the holidays, people are giving. It's a season of giving, so they're opening up their wallets. So really, I think there are two particular scams that we see this time of year around the holidays. One is bogus charities, the other shopping or delivery scams. So as far as bogus charities go, you know, a lot of these scammers will reach out knowing that people are looking to donate end of the year, especially around the holidays, and they will sell themselves as being from a charity that's maybe not legitimate and saying, will you contribute? So I think people want to do their research, find out who they're actually giving to, and instead of clicking on that link, go independently to the website or to the organization say, I'd like to make a contribution so you know who you're giving to. Secondarily, the scammers also know a lot of people are buying as well, mm -hmm. buying gifts maybe for others, maybe for themselves. <laughs> Um, so they know that stores, Macy's, Amazon, UPS, FedEx, they're shipping products as well, right? So you may see a lot of emails coming from these delivery services or from the stores saying, hey, you've got a package on the way. But you need to step back and say, do I really have a package coming or not, first of all? But also don't click on that link because it could lead to malware, which is a real problem for a lot of people. Well, sometimes they'll get calls, too, like from the sheriff's department, something like that, saying right. they're collecting for a charity. What do you do about that? Exactly. Well, like I said, if somebody's reaching out to you, be hesitant, be skeptical, do your own research, and then go, in, go to them independently. So if it is a charity that you're familiar with, maybe just go to their website instead of clicking that link or call them directly and say, I'd like to make a contribution. What's the best way for me to reach you? Let's talk about some of the cases, some of the stories you follow that really stand out. And for me, one of the big ones is that $39 air duct cleaning service. There were ads that went out. A lot of us right. got those ads. Tell us about that one. Yeah, and I got those ads. I mean, I, I got them repeatedly. I'd see them in the mail and you'd open them up. You say air duct cleaning service, be $39 or whatever the promotional deal may be. And oftentimes that's what it was. It was a, a seasonal offer, maybe a fall special, a winter special to clean out your air ducts, right? Well, a lot of people took advantage of that, or at least called the company looking for service, and then we heard about it because these people, they said, listen, I went in looking for a great deal. In the end, I was charged thousands of dollars because of high-pressure sales tactics and pushy guys who came to my house and said, listen, it's going to cost a lot of money to clean this up, 
We looked into it and found, yeah, there were complaints not only in Oregon, but Washington. They sent out, was it a couple of million ads, something like that? They did. So according to court records, not only was it the ads that they sent out, but it was also robocalls and illegal robocalls, according to prosecutors, reaching out to people saying, listen, you need to get this, get this service done. But in the end, they got a huge bill. Well, we're going to talk more about robocalls, too, a little bit later. But you heard from a couple of consumers who had this happen to them who complained and called Kyle. Right. Um, you heard from Sharon Berg from Malino and Rihanna Blair from King City. Let's listen to what they had to say. I think they saw an old woman with glasses and a cane, and they think, oh boy, a sitting duck. As soon as they walked through the door, they were telling me that I needed more and that I got the bad coupon and I needed the better coupon and let me tell you what all we can do. And then he started inspecting things and came in and pushed me into this huge package, like $1,700. What was it like talking to those consumers? Well, it's difficult to hear because I'm a consumer as well, as are you. We like to get value for what we're paying for. And in this case, they didn't. They say they got ripped off. But it really is an example of a Call Kyle investigation. This all started with somebody calling me and saying, hey, listen, my mother-in-law actually got ripped off. She ended up paying thousands of dollars for service that she thought was going to be like 39 bucks. So we looked into it. Not only did we go out and interview this woman, but then we go in and we search databases to see if there are other complaints. Often Attorney General's Office, Better Business Bureau. We look on review sites as well, Yelp, Google, to see if other people have complained. And when we start to see a pattern here, when there's one, two, three, six, 12, 24, many complaints, we know we're onto something and we need to pursue a story. Were there a lot of complaints about this? There were. There were complaints in Oregon and Washington. What's interesting about this, it was a Vancouver-based operation, but they had all kinds of different names they were operating under. In fact, on those mailers that I started receiving, I started looking at it and I thought, you know what? Actually, so it's U.S. Air Ducts and Sky Builders, U.S. Air Ducts, Tiger Duck. They were using all kinds of different names depending on the, the month. So they would just change the name? So perhaps they couldn't be found? Oftentimes, but then when you start digging a little deeper, you find out who's behind these operations, and you find out there are just a few individuals that are running these operations. They're typically working in one building, and then they'll maybe move to the next, but it's all kind of the same pattern, and same thing with their operation, the way they work. People would call seeking a great deal. They'd some, sell, send somebody out there, to get the big upsell and high-pressure sales tactics and be forced to pay a lot of money here. Well, you dug in even further to see who is behind all this, mm -hmm. and you went out and found David Moshe. Um, we have a clip from the package when, when you found him, so let's take a look and see what happened when you finally caught up with him. Public records show Mr. Moshe is connected to at least three different companies involved in air duct cleaning. And we found him outside of yet another newly formed business in okay. Vancouver. Kyle Bosch with KGW Channel 8. Hi, how can I help you? We have some questions about uh, U.S. air ducts and builders. Okay, how, okay. how is that related to me? Uh, you're involved with the company. As much as I know, that company is closed. Moshe declined to answer uh, questions about why companies he's associated with seem to open, then close after a series of complaints. U.S. air ducts and sky builders, just like you mentioned, are not even open anymore. So but you were the general manager. I uh, used to be when they were. Right. You were responsible for overseeing staff when the company was open. Correct. So how do you respond to those complaints about aggressive Again, sales marketing? A company that doesn't exist anymore. I don't have to. That's the beauty of it. You don't have to respond to any of these complaints. Not really. I'm sorry. What was it like uh, confronting <laughs> him? I mean, that right. could be a dangerous situation. It could be. So people see these interactions on TV and they say, oh, that's, that's amazing. And it is great TV when we go up and we look for answers. 
But I got to tell you, that's kind of the last resort. I mean, we ultimately don't want to have to do that. We actually want to hold people accountable, have them respond, and maybe fix the problem in many cases. So we don't go out hard charging with the microphone and the camera right away. Oftentimes, we'll reach out to them. We'll make repeated phone calls. We'll email them. We'll seek comment, and, and hopefully they do respond to us. But if they don't, oftentimes they won't call back at all, or they'll say no comment, but we still feel like we need to ask them questions and get some kind of response from them, then we'll pursue them and try and get that interview. But another thing to keep in mind is we're aware that it can be a, kind of a tricky situation here, right? We're going up unannounced to somebody. Yes, they know we're investigating them, but we've got a microphone and a camera oftentimes in a public setting, and you don't know how things are going to play out. I wonder about your safety. Right, and we think about that as well. So uh, my photographer and I, typically Gene Cotton, we'll kind of talk these things beforehand, how it's going to play out or could potentially play out, where we're going to go, where we're going to look for these people, how we're going to pose the question, because we do, we figure we might have one chance at trying to reach these people. We want to ask them a question that hopefully will get a response, that will answer the questions or concerns of consumers who've been outraged or in some cases ripped off. And so we kind of walk through this process and we wait. And I got to tell you, there's a little bit of dumb luck involved here because you don't know when somebody's going to come or go. And we end up waiting and waiting and waiting. And sometimes they show up. Sometimes they don't show up. Sometimes they answer our questions and they want to visit for 10 minutes, which is well, He gave you a lot of information. How did, did you find him? So in that case, and a quick story for you, we waited for a little bit and, and we had a couple different addresses. We, we went to where we thought he was operating talked to a nearby neighboring business and said, is this where they're operating? She said, oh yeah, they're in that office up here. He's gone for a while though. So that, well, we'll just come back. And sure enough, we came back. We're sitting in the, in the lobby area waiting. I saw a vehicle that looked like his vehicle. I thought, I think that's the guy we've been looking for. And we went out and, and interviewed him there. But it doesn't always work out that smoothly. There have been times as well where we've been sitting on somebody waiting and waiting and waiting and uh, we had one incident years ago where we waited and waited, waited. Finally saw the person we wanted to go follow up on and the car wouldn't start. We've been sitting there with a dead battery. Oh <laughs> so. no. So people don't really understand like what goes into actually putting these investigations together. There's a lot of work behind the scenes, a lot of patience. Right. And ultimately we do. We want to hold people accountable and we want them to respond because oftentimes we're the only voice that consumers have. They may file a complaint with somebody, but it goes nowhere. Or they post a review online and figure, well, the company didn't respond. And so they call me. And again, if I begin to see a pattern of compliance where the company isn't being responsive or isn't providing the service they promise, then it's really our role to speak up for these consumers. So this case got the attention of attorneys general in Washington and Oregon. What's happening with this case? Yeah, in fact, that uh, interview that you saw right there, they quoted that in the complaint. So attorneys general in Oregon and Washington both filed lawsuits against the companies Mr. Moshe and other owners of the company as well saying, listen, you need to stop this type of behavior. It's illegal, is the accusation, and it's wrong. Um, in Oregon in particular, they're looking for refunds, hopefully, for some of these consumers that were out a lot of money. We'll see if they actually get it, but it really is kind of the first step in saying, hey, listen, law enforcement has said stop it, and that's a big step. Let's hope Sharon and, and Rihanna in the, in the story get a refund. That would be great. Right. You know, aging parents and grandparents, mm -hmm. seniors, are often targeted by these scammers. How right. do the fraudsters find their victims? How do they find the seniors? Yeah. Well, a lot of it is the shotgun approach. They're reaching out to tens of thousands of people. But the more sophisticated scams, they're actually reaching out to individuals. They don't want, like a lot of people, they don't want to waste a lot of time 
useless. They want to go to the individual who they can get. They have what's called sucker lists or hot lists, people who may be more vulnerable for one reason or another. And like all good marketing firms, they've got contact information and phone number, maybe an email as well. They know a little bit about you. They know why you may be more vulnerable. Maybe you signed up for a contest or a sweepstakes. You're somebody who's more likely to take risks. Maybe you've bought certain type of medical supplies or there's something about your age that makes you unique or more likely to fall for a scam. And so unfortunately, those people are targeted and they get repeated phone calls from these scammers or maybe phishing emails as well. And once they answer a call, then they're on that list. Yes, definitely. I mean, that's kind of a, a big problem is oftentimes, and I get these calls all the time, these robocalls or scam calls. And when you pick it up, they know that's a hot phone number. They're going to continue to call. And it really is amazing. In fact, uh, you know, I see this happening time and time again where people call and they say, I've gotten like eight phone calls today all of a sudden. Well, that's what happened. They just multiply because they know there's a live person answering, someone who could ultimately be scammed, and they're persistent. They're going to try and continue to call you or share your name with other scammers. Well, one of the people that was scammed you talked to in, in a grandparent scam, mm -hmm. and we'll talk about what that is in a moment, but that, this couple lost $45,000, part of their nest egg. This is uh, Rose Mitchell. Let's listen to what she had to say. You just feel violated and you feel scared, like someone's going to hurt you, you know, because you don't feel like these people will stop at anything. Our generation, people didn't do things like that, and so you just believe them, you know, just automatically. That was our nest egg, you know, and our inheritance for our kids. It's so maddening yeah. to see this happen. What happened? What is this grandparent scam? Well, this is a scam that really preys on emotion more than anything. So they will call typically a senior and say, Grandma or Grandpa, with a voice that's kind of disguised, doesn't sound quite right. And so you respond because they have grandchildren and present the fact that, hey, listen, their grandchild's in trouble, they've been hurt, they've been in a crash or arrested for some reason, and they need to get out of jail or they need medical assistance, and you've got to help them. It's heartbreaking to hear these stories. It really is. And I get calls from folks on a routine basis, and they've lost thousands and thousands of dollars. And it really speaks to a couple things as far as how scammers operate. So one, they're preying on emotion, right? They're tugging at your heartstrings. They, who's going to not want to help a relative, particularly a grandchild? And that's exactly what they're playing into. The other thing is fear. Like, we've got to do something now, and there's some urgency involved as well. And that's how these scammers operate, is they really, they touch on emotion and also urgency and fear to get people to react. So the grandparent scam oftentimes, yes, they'll say, listen, you've got to pay some money, wire money, send gift cards, whatever it may be, to free your child from jail or get them the medical assistance they need. And again, most grandparents are going to say, oh, I'll certainly help. And indeed, they'll pay. And it's just, it's heart-wrenching. It and really particularly is. the fact they can't get this money back, you know? And they're at a time in life where it is their nest egg. They've got limited income, and they're spending money thinking they're helping out their grandchild, but in the end, it's just some scammer somewhere, and it's money they will never get back. And you have some tips that you offer to avoid imposter scams, grandparent scams. Mm -hmm. uh, the first one is don't use gift cards as payment. Yeah, and really, this all comes from the fact that, you know, I saw a lot of scams, and I just wanted to give some advice that we can offer to aging seniors or parents because these really are important. So don't use gift cards as payments. You know, scammers often ask for gift cards as payment. You go into the grocery store, load up a gift card, and then give me the number. And the reason they do that is basically there's no way to track it. And so they want you to give them gift cards. And the woman you heard right there, she bought thousands of dollars in Home Depot cards. Oh, my goodness. Home Depot. You'd be like, why are you buying thousands of dollars in Home Depot card? Well, they can be bought and sold in the black market. And that's exactly what scammers do. And they really can't be traced. And so... If you can avoid using gift cards as payment, 
that's a good thing. Plus, what legitimate business says, hey, I need payment in iTunes cards or Home Depot cards. Most legitimate businesses, actually, I can't think of anything that does this, says pay in gift cards. Well, you also say don't wire money to right. strangers. Right. So that's another one. If somebody is asking you to wire money, that's a huge red flag. And really, it's like cash. Because I've heard of so many seniors or others who've been taken that have wired money. There's nothing you can do. Once it's on, it's gone, it's gone. And it's probably being rerouted as well. And so really, if, if somebody's saying wire money for some reason, step back and say, this just doesn't make sense. Gift cards and wiring money, no. And finally, you say don't answer the phone unless you recognize the number. So tell your parents, grandparents, yeah. not to answer the numbers. Right. And I give my parents the exact same advice. I'm like, listen, don't answer the phone unless you recognize the number. And even then, be a little bit cautious. Know that it's me that I'm that, who's calling. But so often these robocallers, they can spoof numbers and pretend they're somebody they're not or say they're someone they're not. You want to believe them, but you shouldn't. So don't answer the phone. If it's important, here's what I tell people. If it's important, let it go to voicemail. You can call them back, no problem. Calls from imposters were the most reported topic of unwanted calls to the FTC over the past year. And Oregon ranked number two per capita in the country for do not call registry complaints. This was for fiscal year 2019. There were 93,000 plus complaints. That's 2,227 complaints per every 100,000 people in Oregon. Colorado was number one per capita. Alaska was the least, uh, had the least complaints per capita. So why, Kyle, are we getting so many robocalls, all of us? Well, I, unfortunately, they work. I mean, scammers are making money. They wouldn't do it unless they made money. And in fact, they are making money. But also technology has made it much easier for them. You know, these robocalls can be coming from anywhere around the world. They can call through technology tens of thousands of people. And they're aggravating, right? I mean, how many do we get per day? And a lot of us feel like, like there's not much we can do about it. Let's talk about robocalls and how they work. You talked to an expert who gave you a demonstration, and we have a clip from one of your stories, so set this up for us. Right. Well, we wanted to really kind of reveal the secrets of robocalls, how these scammers are doing it. And there really are kind of two key tricks here. One is called spoofing, where they create a fake number and call you. So often it's 503 as a, a uh, Oregon area code. So you think or, it's a friend or a local business? Yeah, and sometimes even the first three digits on your own cell phone number, so you think, well, this is unusual, I'll answer it. But unfortunately, they can pretend to be anybody they want, and they can make that number appear like it's anybody they want, often even like law enforcement or a government official or the IRS, maybe a Washington, D.C. area code as well. So that's one trick they use. But additionally, they can call thousands of people all at once, really the push of a button, and that's what we try to show people is how easy it is for them to do. Let's listen. You're a good guy, but we're simulating bad robocalls. Exactly. Yes. Weston set up an automated program on his computer. With the push of a button, he could auto-dial all of these cell phones we'd collected from our coworkers. Theoretically, you could be calling thousands of phones here? Millions. Millions of phones. Yes. And sure enough, they're calling now. This is crazy, though. It's, it's one phone after another. <laughs> yeah. And they just keep ringing. That is something to say, that demonstration. Right. So that's our tech security expert, Ken Weston, who helped to illustrate how really through technology they're able to do that. And they can call tens of thousands of people because really it is a numbers game, right? They, they just need a few people to answer and then to send money or to fall for a scam for it to be successful. And so they can sit back, work on their computer and call tens of thousands of people. 
Ah, it's so aggravating though. Is there anything we can do to stop robocalls? Well, from an individual level, not much. I guess the best tip that I offer to people is, listen, if you don't recognize the number, don't answer. I let it go to voicemail a lot of times. People think it's funny, oh, I really tricked this guy. I started talking to him and said I'm going to come after him. Probably not a good idea, actually, because it just tells them there's somebody on the other end. And again, they'll continue to call because they know it's a live working number. That's not a good idea. Also, another trick they do is they say, press 1 to be on the do not call list or press 2. Don't do that either because, again, it helps them acknowledge this is a real working number. You're just going to end up getting more phone calls. There are some programs in place. There are some apps, Nomo Robo, which basically helps to identify problem numbers so that they won't continue to call or it'll block those numbers. And then also reporting numbers as well can maybe help. Report those to the Federal Trade Commission, um, FCC, etc. It may help, but in the meantime, if you get one of those numbers you don't recognize, just let it go to voicemail. Well, a lot of people might be thinking, hey, wait a minute, I signed up for the Do Not Call Registry. Right. Why am I still getting these robocalls? Right, and the Federal Trade Commission says, listen, it's still worthwhile, and here's why. For legitimate businesses, if they're on the Do Not Call list or you're on the Do Not Call list, they're not supposed to call. And if they do, there's big penalties to pay. The problem is these scammers, they don't care about the law. They don't care about the Do Not Call list, so they're going to call anyway. So in those cases, it doesn't really work. It's not really effective. But for legitimate businesses, it says, no, you can't call this person. Are these calls illegal? They are. In that type of call, you need to, there are certain parameters about who you need to say who you are, when you can call, that type of thing. So this kind of blitz, it's not legal. Is there anything that anybody's doing? Is Congress trying to stop this? Right. There has been some action on congressional level. There have been multiple uh, efforts. Also, the, the telephone companies as well have a role to play in this. And a lot of people have been pressuring them to make changes. They say they're making changes. Congress says we're taking action as well. But obviously, it's slow, right? It's a very slow process when, as citizens, as consumers, we're still getting hounded by these robocalls. I'm wondering, we, we just have a, a little over a minute left, but what happens when somebody calls Kyle? Mm -hmm. uh, they have a, a complaint, they want to tell you what's happening to them. What happens yeah. when you get a call? And we do. We get a lot of calls, which I appreciate. It's great because we hear from a lot of different people. And basically, I've got a working database where I'll take down a person's name, phone number, their complaint. You can also call anonymously as well. And if it's a really hot tip that we've got to move on right away, we'll do it. If not, oftentimes we'll kind of look for trends. And that's why I keep this database because sometimes I'll say, oh, I got a complaint here. Here. You know, that reminds me of a few weeks ago, I had another complaint, and another complaint, and you begin to see a pattern here, and we'll be on it if that's the case. What do you get the most calls about? Well, there are a lot of just scam calls, people who've been taken, unfortunately, by the IRS scam, jury duty scam, grandparent scam, and unfortunately, there's not a lot we can do in those cases except inform people and hopefully prevent them from happening as well. But generally speaking, it's just run-of-the-mill consumer complaints. Somebody's not happy, feel like they've been ripped off, and again, if we see a pattern of complaints about a particular individual or company, we're going to look into it. Just a, a few seconds left, about 30 seconds left, but um, this is something we can all work on to help other people avoid being scammed, right? Oh, definitely. You know, I talk to community groups all the time, and I tell you, listen, you're aware. You know how to stop or avoid becoming the victim of a scam. Now share it with somebody. And especially if you've got aging parents or grandparents, let them know because they are vulnerable. They're being targeted. The scammers are going after them. Share some valuable tips. Tell them, please, don't wire money. Don't send gift cards. And if somebody calls you don't recognize the number, let it go to voicemail. It's just they're good precautions. Or you can call Kyle. You can and we want to give you the phone number that you can call. It is 503-226-5041. His email is callkyle at kgw.com.